0: Hey everyone, it's Wilson here. I had a blast preaching this last Sunday about the Tanakh, which is the Hebrew Bible. It's the Bible Jesus would have read. Um, Same Bible as ours, just the Old Testament in a different order. But really my message, I just talk about how we can encourage ourselves using the Old Testament.
1: Make sure that it doesn't go out.
0: And that's my daughter. So um, have an amazing week. I hope you enjoy the message. All right, happy new year, everyone. Good morning. So we're gonna do something fun this morning to start. Um, we're actually gonna do an outreach together. Who, who wants to go out into the community this morning? Who's just sick of being in here already? Oh, I got a hand, all right, no. No, we wanna, um, wanna start the new year off missionally focused, You know, we gather every single week together and part of the purpose that we gather is to be equipped to go and to release God's life and love into the earth. So I literally right now, I just, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to think about it, but I have a bunch of Kroger gift cards right here and I have enough for about five teams to go out and just head to Kroger, head to a house you feel led to wherever you think God's leading you or just intelligently, you know, like people need help at grocery stores, go look for some hurting people in a grocery store and uh, just say, ask them if they want prayer, give them a gift card and then try and make it back here before 11 and um, report into us about what happened. So think about that for a second, okay? Let me tell you some cool things that have been happening lately outside of the church just to get you uh, in the mindset of that. Yesterday at Healing on the Streets, two people gave their life to Jesus. So that's amazing. Um, HOTS is a, a weekly outreach we do at Northgate Mall where people can stop and get prayer. And two people yesterday, after getting prayer, we just, sim- I, I, was, I wasn't the one that did it, but just simply presented the gospel message to them. And they responded by just asking, like, how do I like, what's next? Like, yes, you know? And so two people prayed to receive Jesus yesterday in the middle of the mall, probably going to return some Christmas gifts and said they get the gift of salvation. So how, how cool is that? Um, on one of my friends, one of my friends in my, my house group at church named Matt was at Kroger two nights ago and as he was coming out, he saw a guy at the red box. Well, he was going to the red box to get a movie. And he saw a guy at the red box that just, I don't think he was getting a movie, but he was just standing next to it. Just, he said he looked hurting and broken to him. So he went up, asked him if he could use prayer. And how do you know that like that thought Matt had, I, I don't know that that guy was like standing there weeping, but there was something in Matt's heart that told him this guy's hurting, this guy's broken, this guy needs, you know, love. So a lot of us are way more prophetic than we think. You might think you're um, you know, being judgmental or something, and really the Lord is speaking to you for someone. So he follows that hunch and just says, hey, like, are you doing okay? I'd love to pray for you if you need prayer for anything. And the guy says, yeah, Matt prays for him and shares the gospel with him. And this guy responds just like the two people at the mall yesterday, just said, h- yes, h- how do I receive Jesus in my life? How do I do it? W- what's next? And so Matt told him, his name is Drew. Um, so like it's happening out there, you know, like people are ready. People are ripe. Um, especially in the climate today, there are people who are just right at a tipping point. They're ripe fruit, ready, ready to say yes to Jesus. They just need someone who has locked eyes with Jesus to come and tell them about Jesus. So one more for you. Last night at the zoo, um, my family and I and some friends were at the zoo and as we were leaving i just saw a guy out of the corner of my eye and i just had this thought go into my head um, tell him to grow where he's planted those words just came to my head tell him to grow where he's planted and so you know what i did i just walked right past him and just said i'm going you know i'm going to my car and that was like the fifth person i had walked past at the zoo that i had felt just like a kind of tug from god for and so I was like, no, I'm not leaving the zoo like this. So I turned around, went back to him, and I said, hey man, excuse me. And you know, it's even worse because we're both wearing masks. It's like the mask says, don't talk to me, basically. Like that's what's going on in my head is like, no, no. <laughs> you know, As if people aren't already saying that to you, don't talk to me. And let's just laugh at that, that people don't want us to talk to them. <laughs> like who told us that? Probably some of our past experience, Right. Like who told you that people don't want to be interrupted um, for the sake of the gospel? I, you know? So anyways, I go back to him and it wasn't the Lord that told you that, just so you know, he told me that. I went back to him and I said, hey man, this is going to sound funny to you, but I just felt like God said to me that you are going to grow where you're planted this year. And then as I said that, more, more God started speaking to me more. More revelation was coming to me. And I said, in fact, I feel like it's in your work. You're supposed to grow, your planted in your work. And there's a lot of opportunity for you in your work. And that's how it works for me so much. I will get an initial prompting, and then I will start to, uh, I'll I'll obey it. I'll I'll, uh, take the risk of going with what either my heart just pulled me to the person or God spoke to me about them. And then when I actually start, when I obey, when I take that scary, terrible step off the cliff, you know, uh, more comes. So like I didn't have any of those thoughts in my head about work until I opened my mouth and started speaking to him. And he just, he said, thanks. He puts his knuckles out to me, gives me a fist. Bump when he says, I'm gonna become an owner in my business this year. I have the opportunity to become an owner in my, in my work this year. So your words right on, thank you, that encourages me, blah, blah, blah. So I just wanna tell you that there are people out there just waiting to be encountered by Jesus through you. And the thing with evangelism is this, we're not supposed to go and be someone else. We're supposed to go and be ourself in evangelism. Um, like when we get wrapped up in thinking like, how would this person do it? Or how does that person do it? That's only helpful for the practicality of it. Like anything in your spiritual life, um, You can compare yourself to other people if you keep it really practical. But as soon as you take it into a place of um, emotion is when it becomes unhealthy. Let me unpack that a little bit more. You just heard me talk about how I shared prophetic words with people, right? Like you can learn from the steps I took and you can imitate those steps. But if you start to feel like, man, my pastor did that or Wilson did that, so I have to do it, it's not actually gonna help you. It's not gonna lead you in anything. So who, does anyone wanna go? Go out, come on, all right. Just come on up to the front. We're gonna pray for you. Come on up. Get some teams going. Come on down. Orlando's gonna lead a team. Who wants to go with Orlando? Just go, all right, awesome. Come on, Lisa. Here you go, Tori. Who wants to go with Tori? Anyone that's sitting out there So, come on. Here you go, Mother. Who wants to go with the real firecracker? And here's Luke's mom. Two most powerful women in the room. I need a couple more volunteers. If anyone want, or or we just kind of spread the team out a little bit. Yeah, there's room for you. Why don't you join in with Teresa? Great. We want you guys split up into these teams. That'd be perfect. Come on, Deb. Deb, do you want to go Teresa also? So here's a team. Sorry, Tori and Jim. No one's really interested in you guys. (laughs) Except for everyone out there. Oh, there you go. Hey, so do you guys want to stand up and just reach your hands towards these guys? Let's pray for them. Lord, come in like a fire. Come in like a flood. Thank you, God, that um, there's just so much promise around power when we step out in obedience. So I just thank you, Lord, that... uh, um, we can put you to the test and that you, you, you are going before them each. There's someone you've prepared this morning. There's divine appointments for them. I pray for boldness and joy as they go. And I just pray for it to be easy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what I encourage you guys to do, if you don't have any other plan, is just go to Kroger and just walk up to someone in Kroger and say, hey, I'm just doing an Irish in my church. I just wanna bless you really quick and um, just show you God's love in a practical way. And then one other thing for the teams up here, really quick, I think it'd be really sweet if one of these, just one sec guys, if one of these teams, if you went to Finneytown, if a team has more time, because we're planting a church in Finneytown in a couple months, it'd be good to go sow seeds there, all right? So make it back if you can and tell us about it. Go forth. (laughs) Get, get on out of here. definitely for sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's dive into my message now. All right. We're going to do in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about encouragement and we want to just start off 2021 um, with our hearts and our minds encouraged. And the first step to you encouraging others is to you being encouraged yourself. So we wanna give you tools in the next couple weeks, just three weeks of messages on encouragement for your you, you to strengthen yourself and encourage yourself in God, for you to be able to encourage others. Um, we're gonna hit on some more practicals of prophecy and uh, it's gonna be really good. So this morning, The title of my message is The Encouragement of the Scriptures. The Encouragement of the Scripture. And I want to talk to us about how we can just give us some simple tips on how to encourage ourselves through Scripture. Because it's one of the easiest, most guaranteed, best ways to keep your spiritual fire um, kindled is through Scripture. And so yeah, like some of this stuff I think is going to be, a lot of it is not going to be new to a lot of people. But what I encourage you is not to like take every single point I have and try and apply it, but to really let a couple of them or one or two of them that maybe I'm wording differently than you've thought about them sink in and help you uh, approach scripture in a way that will encourage you and encourage others. So let me pray really quick. I just want to pray one more time. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that you uh, inspired people to craft together a book that could be a a guide map and a story for us to live our life based off of and for us to get wrapped up in. We don't just take it lightly, Lord. We really just say thank you so, and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you open up the word to us. So I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, would you open up the scripture, open up um, the Bible to us, God, In Jesus' name. And yeah, Lord, thank you that you're breaking off lies we've believed about Scripture. Thank you you're breaking off religious mindsets. I just see some of of us have had words spoken to us from our parents or from Sunday school teachers or um, people that actually cause us to have a little bit of fear or guilt connected to the Bible. If that's you, I just break that off of you right now in Jesus' name. I say that weapon will not um, prosper against you anymore but I release an innocent, pure, childlike, righteous love for the word of God and scripture to everyone in the room right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so will you guys turn with me to Romans 15? Turn with me to Romans 15. By the way, if we've never met before, my name is Wilson, and I'm... uh, one of the pastors here. All right. We're going to start in verse one. We're going to read about, we're going to read a small chunk of scripture right now. Is that okay? We're going to read actually a chunk. All right. Romans 15:1. And man, let me just tell you, Romans 14 and 15 are like the scriptures of 2020, in my opinion, because they really talk to us about how believers are supposed to get along when they don't agree. And like, man, Is that not a huge test? You know, like 2020 was a really amazing year for me because it pruned me more than any other year in my life. It disciplined me and it trained me more than any other year in my life. And so much positive fruit came out of my life through 2020. Because when you go into the fire and you, connect to Jesus in it, you become more like him. And so I just want to tell you, man, like, what are, like, we need to look at 2020 soberly, obviously horrible stuff there. And there's still bad stuff happening from 2020 right now with the pandemic, but man, I'm not going to let the de- like, I don't like those signs that are like, thank God we're in 2021. We'll leave 2020 behind. I just think that totally is a defeatist mentality. I know I'm more than a conqueror. I, I am glad the 2020 is over. But in another respect, Lord, like bring another 2020 into my life in 10 years. Amen. Not this year, not, not next year, you know, like. <laughs> but thank you, Lord, for what you did. In and um one of the huge things I believe God was doing in 2020 was preparing the body of Christ, preparing the body of Christ to learn how to agree to disagree in love. And I don't think that we did it super incredibly well. Um, And that's just, that's not me. Like, I don't feel any criticalness in my heart when I say that. I'm just trying to look at it soberly. Like, there's an upgrade for all of us in learning how to be of one accord, of one mind. And um, Romans 14 and 15 really, really speak to this. So Romans 15, one. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings or or to bear with the weakness of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, now he quotes a psalm, "The the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me, or the insults of those who insulted you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. All right, let's start. Let's go back to verse one. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So when you see weakness, what you think to be or what you know to be weakness in someone else's life, you have an opportunity to bear with it or to please yourself. Pleasing yourself looks like distancing yourself from other people's weakness. But bearing with it looks like going to someone in their weakness and saying, hey, like, what are you experiencing? Where are you? I wanna, I wanna stand with you. I'm not gonna take on your weakness as my weakness, but I'm not gonna distance myself from you because I see weakness in your life. And you know, it's so, it's much safer, it's much easier to distance yourself from other people's weakness. But you know what? That is a weakness. <laughs> Verse two, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So Paul's not talking here about people pleasing. He's not saying please other people because you're insecure if other people aren't pleased in you. He's not saying bear with each other's weaknesses because you can't stand it when um, other people aren't okay. That's all about you. Our focus on helping others is on them. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. It's not this, Paul's not talking about people pleasing. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insulted you fell on me. This is talking about Jesus going to the cross and taking other people's pain and suffering that he didn't deserve on himself to pay for us. Now now here's where it gets really good. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Well, really quick. So, verses 1, 2, and 3, what, what's happening here is um, in the Roman church, there are the, the, the book of Romans was written to a whole group of people in Rome, and they were very different people. There were people who were ethnic Jews who had been exiled or wandered to Rome, and then there were people who were actually true Romans. They were true, truly from Europe and that area of the world, and they were Gentiles, meaning they hadn't been raised with the Jewish faith. So like humongous animosity between these two people groups. And so Paul is writing to them and helping them learn how to get along and how to be one body and how to unite over Christ. And one of the really big things they were um, dividing over was eating meat that was sacrificed to idols. And what this actually, like how foreign of a statement is that? Meat sacrificed to idols, we're all like, what? <laughs> Here's the context. They, and I'm going from the hip here a little bit, they're actually engaged with lost people. They're actually in relationship with people who worship idols, the church. They are friends with them, they're their neighbors, and they're doing life with them. So much so that they're at their house and they're like, hey, let's have dinner together. And they're like, okay, really quick. Zeus, we love you, Zeus. And I, blah, and like, they're actually um, offering the food that's about to be served to you to another God first. That's pretty weird, like that's pretty um, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and some of the people in the church are like, heck no, I'm not eating that. I'm not gonna worship this other God by eating that food. Or, or, or maybe another mentality would be like, um, I'm not gonna make, I don't want them to think that they're right in worshiping this other God. What will they think if I eat this meat? What will people think of me if I eat this meat? And they're like, no, we're not doing that. I am not gonna do that. And then there's this whole other group of people that's like eating meat is meat. Like the devil is beneath my feet. I I, I can eat any meat I want, like (laughs) I'm chill. It's okay, like I'll eat any meat. Like the devil is beneath my feet. That's like a new rap I'm writing right now. The devil's beneath my feet. I can eat any meat. Um, and they're like, hey, it's okay. I'm going to eat this meat. And that's actually the camp that Paul was in. Paul was on the side. He says in verse 14, listen to this. Um, 14, 5. One person esteems, one, he's making an analogy here. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. I know, this is verse 14 now, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. So what he's saying here is, I don't think it's unclean. I'm convinced in connection to, in Jesus, I'm, con, I'm convinced of this. Meaning that like, I'm not trying to figure this out apart from my relationship with God. Connected to God, I'm trying to figure this out and I'm convinced that meat, sacrifice, to idols is okay for me to eat. But if you can't, if you don't agree with that, If you think it's unclean, then guess what? It is unclean for you. So what Paul is saying is, you're both right. If you say, no, I I can't eat that meat, then that's okay. And the ones that are saying, yes, I, um, I will eat that meat. I'm fine with that. He says, you're okay too. But then the challenge doesn't come into this group. The challenge doesn't come into the ones who can't eat meat. The challenge comes into the guys who are saying they can't eat meat. And you know what he says? Don't eat it around them. Don't eat the meat that you're confident is clean around the people who are not confident that it's clean. So where was I going? <laughs> the, Paul is writing to them here about how to be unified. And it, and it involves with them bearing their burden. Does that make sense? You guys who are feeling strong and confident about this, P.S., like, I think you're right. I'm with you. But look, don't use that as a, as a um, excuse to not walk in love and sensitivity towards them. That's, that's what he's saying in 15, one, two, and three. we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So here are the two things to take from what I was just saying. Number one, with gray issues, with things that are not like, a, like it's sin or it's not sin, you are supposed to go to the Lord with that and get confident in the Lord about what you're supposed to do. If you're not confident in the Lord about that, then you shouldn't do it. If you're confident in the Lord and it's not a, it's not a clear sin thing, then go for it. But whichever side you land on, you're not supposed to judge the other side. And the, the side that's actually operating in probably a little bit more confidence, you're supposed to change your behavior to accommodate this side when you're with them. It's not saying if you're on this side, never do the thing that you're confident in. But it's saying when you're with this side, do do the thing, live how they're living. All right, now verse 4. For whatever was written in former, all this applies to so much, right? Like voting, who are you going to vote for? Um, how you handle uh, precautionary measures for COVID-19. This speaks to that. It speaks to just so much that, like, it's a yeah. But I'm going to go down a crazy little tangent. If I say too much there, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now I'm gonna gonna come back to four. Let's go to five. May the God of endurance and encouragement. Okay, so if if something in your life is not bringing endurance and encouragement, it's not the Lord. God is a God of endurance and encouragement. Live in such grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. All right, so now back to verse four. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. He's speaking of scripture now. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So it was written for our instruction. It was written to teach us how to live. It was written um, for something written in the past that was written to other people, not you. It was actually also written for you today, for your instruction, for your teaching. But where I wanna kind of like pivot our mindset and and turn our head and turn our attention for this service is about, or the rest of my message, is what he means when he says, the encouragement of scriptures. The encouragement of scriptures. So Stella, will you roll the video? Um, This is a short little video from a organization called Bible Project on YouTube. They're an amazing organization. Check them out if you never have before, but let's watch this. It's really short.
1: The Hebrew Bible is a collection of scrolls written and assembled over a 1,000 year period by the Israelites written in Hebrew. The first significant translation was done in Greek. It was called the Septuagint, and this translation was widely used among followers of Jesus. Jesus claimed that the story of the Hebrew Bible was coming to his fulfillment through him, and his followers wrote about this claim in a new collection of writings called the New Testament. They were written in Greek. These two collections became the sacred writings of Christianity, the Bible.
0: All right, who wants to watch
1: that again? Because it was very quick. Let's do it one more time. The Hebrew Bible is a collection of scrolls written and assembled over a 1,000-year period by the Israelites written in Hebrew. The first significant translation was done in Greek. It was called the Septuagint, and this translation was widely used among followers of Jesus. Jesus claimed that the story of the Hebrew Bible was coming to its fulfillment through him, and his followers wrote about this claim in a new collection of writings called the New Testament. They were written in Greek. These two collections became the sacred writings of Christianity, the Bible. All right. So what is the
0: Bible? It's a collection of writings from... um, the people of Israel who lived before Jesus and the people of Israel who followed Jesus and lived after him. So when Paul says the encouragement of the scripture, the thing for us to hone in on here is what would his audience have heard? What would they have understood when Paul said this? The scriptures. Now, pull up the first slide please, Stella. This is what we hear, no doubt, right? When you hear the scriptures, the thing that comes to our mind is this whole fat part of the Bible that's called the Old Testament, and then the new skinny part of the Bible called the New Testament. We go to the next slide. Here are, just to like um, un-Americanize us and to take us, like, you know, how many know that Paul wasn't like, I'm preaching from the Old Testament today? And Jesus wasn't like, hey, everyone, open to the Old Testament, (laughs) you know, or this is the Old Testament. That, that's new language that is the language we probably learned to use for the Bible, but it's not the original, um, not an original meaning like what they called it when they wrote it, terms. The terms that they would have used were the Tanakh for the Old Testament, and then simply you would have called everything in the New Testament, the Apostles' writings. And over the course of time, or the course, you can just leave this up right now. Um, it would have been all assembled together and we started naming each book and, and, and putting them in a certain order. But it was not received. It wasn't just like this book fell out of heaven, called the Bible in this order. So let's go to the next slide, Tanakh. All right, so let me tell you what this word means. And you can, everything I'm telling you about, you can just learn through the Bible Project. So like, it's not super special secret information I have, but it's just really helpful to have a foundational um, understanding for what this book even is you know so Tanakh T stands for a a Hebrew word name called the Hebrew word Torah N stands for a Hebrew word Nevaim which is the prophets and K Hebrew word Ketuvim so let's look to the next slide Here is what the Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, the Hebrew Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, would have been full of. This is what it consisted of. The five books that Moses wrote, this is called the Law, the Law of Moses, is frequently referred, Jesus says, the Law or the Law of Moses, the writings of Moses. And this would be the first five books of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And basically, that is the only part of our Bible that we organize the exact same way as the Bible that Jesus read. The, yeah, this is what I'm talking about right now, okay? The Tanakh is the Bible that Jesus read. To make it practical, that's what you should be thinking. Tanakh, this is the Bible that Jesus had. This is the, these are the scriptures and the scrolls that Jesus um, came to. Next, we have the prophets. And this is the first surprise to us, Right? Because when we say the prophets, what everyone in this room would be thinking that knows is Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, on, 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 and on. But how many, But that's not how the Hebrew Bible was organized and thought of. Because every like in the New Testament, if you wrote if you wrote scripture, you were a apostle. In the old te, in the old covenant, if you wrote scripture, you were a prophet. Just like universally considered, that's how they looked at those people because everything they were writing was pointing somewhere, whereas the, the apostles, everything they were writing was about what God was doing now on the earth post Jesus. So Joshua, Judges, or Joshua, Samuel, um, Judges would be in here too, Kings, Isaiah, 1st Jer- and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then. Ezekiel and all of the really short prophetic books in your Bible. This was the second section of scripture. This is called the prophets. And then the third was a, a collection of basically stuff that doesn't fit in those two categories. And Ketuvim means the writings. So this is Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ruth, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Song of Solomon. What I'm where I'm trying to go now, what I'm trying to get at is the when Paul says the scriptures were written for your encouragement. He's not, the thing that he is thinking and the thing that he's trying to communicate is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John or 1st Corinthians or Romans or anything in the New Testament. That's not what he's saying when he said the, encourage, the, the scriptures were written for your encouragement. He's telling them everything, all the scripture that you have, that you use, the Old Testament, I know this is so boring, everybody, but it's really good, I promise. Um, The Tanakh, this is where you are supposed to get encouragement and endurance from. This is where you are supposed to live your Christian life from. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the New Testament isn't incredibly valuable and just as much authoritative scripture in the Bible as the Old Testament. You know, like um, early believers, they would be so jealous of us that we had access to four different biographies about Jesus, the Gospels, to our early church history account, the book of Acts, to this incre- incredibly exquisite um, theological dissertation called Romans by Paul. Like, don't you hear what I'm not saying that we shouldn't use and we don't need the New Testament? But what I'm saying is, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is this, there is so much more we can get out of the Old Testament than I think many of us believe. There's so much more for us to um, dive into, to to listen to and to absorb from the Tanakh. Everyone say Tanakh. Tanakh. Then we think. Think of this, Paul, the apostle Paul, he got, he taught, everything he wrote was revelation he got from encounter with Jesus, which he was legally allowed to do that and to make it authoritative because he was an apostle None of us are are allowed to create definitive revelation out of the Bible because none of us are one of the the original apostles. But anyways, all of his revelation, all the amazing stuff, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, but all things have become new. Um, You know, you're justified not by works of the law, but righteousness and faith in God. All of that, he got that revelation from the Old Testament. He didn't have the New Testament to pull out the amazing identity truth that he gave us. He got it all from relationship with, personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and an understanding of the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh. So man, like it just makes me so, it makes me, my goal is that you would just wanna run out of this room and get into the Old Testament this year. That you would be like, man, I, I wanna understand the story of God. I wanna start to see Jesus more in the Old Testament. I wanna start um, understanding how to live my life on mission for the kingdom of God, how to love others well by getting deeper in the Old Testament to the Tanakh. Awesome, I'm good with these slides now. Thanks a lot. So a couple reasons that the Old Testament is so powerful, the Tanakh is so powerful. There's two things I look for when I'm reading the Old Testament. The first is promises. I'm looking for promises, promises of the Messiah, promises of the future kingdom of God, things I can grab onto and hold onto that, because like, although we live in a different age than they lived in the Old Testament, no, we live in the age of the last days where uh, Jesus has come and gone back to heaven and now he's like, hey, continue my mission on earth we can get too comfortable with the first coming of Jesus that we don't live like there's a second coming of Jesus. (laughs) And and the guys in the Old Testament, they didn't ever have a coming of Jesus. So they lived off of these promises. They lived looking for the Messiah to come. That was their get me up out of bed every morning. That was the mission they were trying to be part of was a Messiah is coming. And that can be the same mission that we live for is Jesus is coming back. I wanna do as much damage to the kingdom of darkness as I possibly can before Jesus comes back. So we look for the promises of the Messiah. And the really cool thing is that the Old Testament is full of promises of Jesus's first coming and second coming. So one reason is for promises. Another is for the stories. Who here loves a good story? right? Like, who has binged Netflix ever in 2020? <laughs> okay, like, you know, they're making the shows so that we binge them. That's how they design them, you know what I mean? And they're not like, we're gonna release them one by one. We're gonna, like, we're gonna give them three seasons all at once so that they don't do anything but watch Netflix. That is a reflection of your inner hunger for the story of God. You know, I, I love watching, like, I just finished The Mandalorian last night. Who's finished Mandalorian? It's a great show, three of us, okay. Um, <laughs> but man, like you just get wrapped up in the story and you kind of like, this could obviously be very unhealthy, but you kind of like turn off the world a little bit when you get wrapped up in a story. You're, you're enraptured in something, um, a circum- another person's circumstance. And what I want to tell you is we need to get enraptured more in the story of God and more just consumed and like, kind of like, I'm not even as aware of all of the noise going on around me because I'm so um, caught up in the story of God. And the way you get caught up in the story of God is by reading the Tanakh, by reading the Old Testament. You guys are all gonna leave here like, man, my pastor said so many Hebrew words, it's so weird, are we like Jewish now? Um, But the, the Old Testament is how we get caught up in the story of God if you're not familiar, if you, if you can't appreciate what Jesus came and did and what, what Paul did and what we are doing today without having a telegraphed comprehension of the Old Testament story, of the story of everything that happened before Jesus. All right. So I wanna give us just a couple tips to wrap up and hopefully there's maybe one of those teams get back and we can hear what happened about how to encourage yourself using scripture. And I'm gonna tell you some of my favorite ones, but... All right, so the first key to encouraging yourself using scripture. And this, everything I'm about to say applies to studying the Old Testament as well as studying the New Testament. But I think that without applying this to the Old Testament, it's just, we don't really last there. Okay, so number one, here's my first tip to you guys. And this is just stuff that I do for myself. Tap into the 10,000 foot view. I've been harping on this, but connects to the greater narrative at play. All scripture points to the king and his kingdom coming in some way, either it is prophetically speaking of that or it is helping us connect to the story of Jesus and the story of the kingdom of God coming to earth. So when you're reading something and you're like, why is this in here? What's going on? You just try and like kind of zoom out. That's what I mean when I say the 10,000 foot view. I want to understand what's the overarching thing trying to be communicated here. Why is this story in here? What is it trying to tell us? like, Um, Random stories in Old Testament about um, the prostitute Rahab saving the men, uh, harboring the spies from Israel. There's a story being telegraphed of all of these women who are Gentiles in the Old Testament joining Jesus's line. And if you don't look at this like, okay, what's going on here, how does this connect to Jesus, then you miss a whole thing that God's trying to point out, which is that he was always the God of the Gentiles and the Jews. He just needed to prepare a people, the Jewish nation, uh, or he needed a people to prepare a context for him to come into and be received. So we're always looking for the king and his kingdom. Um, Be familiar with key points in the story. Like really understand what happened at creation. What happened in the garden? What was it like? What is the message trying to be communicated to you? See, the Bible isn't just a historical document. It wasn't, the, the, it wasn't written to record history. It was written as a book to encourage the Jewish people to follow God and to, and to live a life that pursued him and created a context for him to come and arrive in. So everything is incredibly intentional. Um, so yeah, understand what happened in the garden. Understand what happened at the fall. Understand as much as you can why the flood happened and what's this reference of sons of God coming and sleeping with the women of men and um, how did that impact things? Understand what happened in the Tower of Babel. Understand Abraham being called and the nation of Israel being risen up. David, the, the first good king of Israel and the, the Messianic promises to him. And then uh, the whole Jewish nation being taken into exile. Jesus come back. These are the key points in the story. These are like the chapter titles that we have to be familiar with in order to tap into the 10,000 foot view. Next tip is this, ask good questions. A bad bad first question to ask when you read scripture is, what does this mean for me? That's a bad first question to ask. What does this mean for me? How do I apply this to my life? The first question you wanna ask when you read scripture is, what did the person who read this understand when they read it? And what did the person who wrote it mean to communicate when they wrote it? And then you can extrapolate an application for yourself. This is gonna be really helpful. But if you start with personal application, you might miss the whole intent. This is where like crazy heresies come from is because we don't start with what did they mean? What were they trying to communicate? Um, Ask yourself this question. Why is this chunk of scripture here? What's before it and what's after it? Why is this story in this point? Why is this point by Paul. Like, just what I did earlier when I went back to chapter 14 in Romans, or went back to chapter 14 in Romans before going in to really explain 15 is, why is this, what's this exhortation for? How much more interesting was it? Like, when I read those first four verses, first seven, you're just all like, okay, let's keep going. But then when I actually said what's happening in Rome and in the Roman church, there was an engagement. For all of us. And so, whenever you're reading scripture and you're struggling to engage with it, ask yourself why is this here? What's before it? What's after it? What's the context? Getting a map, a Bible atlas, and actually looking at where things are happening really helps the story be real to you and for you to engage with it. Ask yourself this question What does this scripture teach me about God? Ask this question What does this scripture teach me about man? What does the scripture show me about the unseen realm and the, uh, the, the worldview, how, how the unseen realm operates? A couple more points for us. Make sure that when you read the Old Testament, you read at God's pace. When your heart comes to life while you're reading, stop reading. Meditate on that verse, pray on it, worship, let it wash over you, under, press in deeper because the goal is not quantity, that's not our goal when we're in scripture. Our, read is to con- our goal is to connect with the heart of God. And he's trying to connect with you. Um, a couple others, study with the right translation. Just, just use translations for the right reason, okay? If you're reading the message, the NLT, the passion, the amplified, what, you, what your goal should be is this. Man, I want scripture just to kind of wash over me. I want my heart to be kindled for God. I wanna be, I wanna get an inner sense of inspiring and like kind of like joy coming on me, but not I want to be positive that I understand exactly what this person means. Because those translations I just listed, NLT, um, the message, the passion, um uh amplified. These all were not written to communicate word for word what the original text said. It was someone else said, hey, how do I put this in a way that other people understand and wrote down? They're good translations. I'm not saying throw them away or don't use them, but I'm just saying own a, a translation like that, but also own an ESV Bible or a NIV or a NASB or a NRSV and make sure that you're reading in a mul- multiple different translations. <coughs> all right, last few things. Memorize scripture. Scripture is alive and active. So when we get it in our head, there's something actually, it's like an earworm going on in our head even when we're not thinking. Even when you're not consciously thinking about scripture, it's alive and active in your mind, in your spirit, in your heart, and it's doing things. And then lastly, grab hold of life verses from the Old Testament. One of my number one is Second Chronicles 16.9. Um, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, searching to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I can't tell you how many times I go back to that scripture and I just pause and I say, Lord, my heart's fully committed to you. You're gonna strengthen me. So get different life verses out of the Old Testament that you're gonna hang on to and hold on to. Let me pray for us. And uh, would mom, will you come up and share what happened? Okay, I'd really like you to come up too. And the guys. It's the benefit of having the mic. You can tell your mom what to do. Which is, if you know her, that's just not... That's a thing you got to take advantage of when you can. <laughs> Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that um, there'd be just so much grace on us and our minds to understand the Old Testament, understand scripture, and to get caught up in your story. I just speak grace for us, for healthy hunger for your word, not condemnatory hunger. Again, just take that thought captive that um, you don't have pure motives in how you read scripture. Take that thought captive that says, I'm only doing this to earn something from God. That's not true. You're a new creation. You have good desires. It's the Lord leading you into scripture. So just bless you in Jesus name.
2: Amen. All right. You going to tell us? Sure. All right. So we went out into the community. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, we, uh, we started off at, at Speedway, where Lori went in and you spoke with somebody, correct? Yes. Yes. But
1: uh, the woman immediately said, I want this, 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 and this. Uh, first thing out of her mouth was, I want to find a church to go to. <laughs> I went, Whoa, this is. <laughs> so we just really, we, we sense, you know, God was already working, you know, from, from the get go.
2: Um, as she was inside, I, I saw a picture of the, uh, right behind Northgate Mall where it goes into the neighborhood. So we were like, let's go there. Um, so we saw a couple people and we, we said, Hey, you know, can we pray for you? No, we don't want anything. I was like, okay, that's fine. So we went out and there was a, there was a guard there, uh, taking a smoke break. We talked to him, uh, blessed him, um, you know, prayed for him and it was very cool. Um, we went across the street to, to Kroger's, um, where immediately there was a woman who said, "Smiled to us through her mask," and said, "and and said hi." And then Lori was like, "This, this is my person." <laughs> just fell off. <laughs> Do you want to go any more into that?
1: No, it just it was just good because um, I asked her if she needed prayer and if she had pain and she had arthritis. So totally, um, you know, spoke against the pain in her. Um, I felt like it was at her hands, but I didn't ask her. How does it feel afterwards? So I'm going like, "Ah, oh, well. (laughs) So we went in
2: and uh, immediately they were like, we need, we should be blessing not only the people around here, but the people who are working here. Uh, So we immediately went up to the service counter. There was no line. There was nothing there. It was speaking to her, um, just, just, you know, blessing
3: on her and just loving on her. Uh, You had a relationship. You want to interact? So... Um, basically when we were there we went ahead and uh, went up to the counter because uh, God had put it on my heart like he was saying not just to walk around blessing people who are shopping there but let's also interact and engage with the employees and um I had a word for her, and it was joy so I had asked her if um, you know if it was okay if we prayed for her. we got to pray for her. and while we were praying for her, he ended up getting another word and um, so we was able to continue the prayer and she was barely containing it she was so excited when she w- when we were praying for her, she was was ready to jump. Yeah. I mean it was really exciting and really good to be there and I and I mean um for me personally, I enjoy going out and doing it, but I also enjoy getting to do it with people because I don't usually get that part of it. But no, it was really awesome um, because we could have probably stayed there all day praying considering I had one word, he got one word, then Lori walked up. Then when Lori walked up, we realized, hey, wait a minute, there's a line of like five people starting to build up. So yeah. we kind of wrap things up and um, I'll let him kind of share the end part of it.
2: Yeah, it was it was really touching. Um, as we were finishing up, I was like, I, I, "Do you have kids? Do you, is there something going on with your kids?" Because I felt there was something strong with going on. And she was like immediately, uh, "One's in prison." And I was like, "Oh!" And she was she was filled with joy. I mean, you could see it in her house, see it in her heart, um, and and I knew there was something that just like you know, she needed prayer. And so we, we just prayed for her, Open up doors for her son, just giving him an experience. And, and she was holding it back. And it was it was awesome to bless her. And there was a, a row, again, a row of people behind us. And she was just keeping it, I mean, keeping it real. So <laughs> it was cool that we were able to bless them. And we, we were able to give her a gift card and, and bless her that way. And um, it was really a cool experience. So thank you for the opportunity there. Absolutely. No. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, um, I just, I just, I just thank you for your spirit that is in this room, um, and I pray that we will all be filled up with an, an excitement. Um, about you and about how you have touched our lives, Lord. And I pray as we go from this place that you will whisper in our ears um, those things that the people around us need to hear. Um, Lord, there is so much hurting in this community. There is so much need in this community. And that's why we're here. We're here to fill that need and to show these people your love. Um, and uh, I just I just pray a blessing on everyone here and I just pray as we leave um, that we will just take what we have gotten and and give it to our kids, give it to our community. In your most beautiful name. Jesus name Amen.